This podcast is brought to you by Pastor Stormy Swan and Faith Christian Family Church of Lubbock, Texas. For more information, please visit faithchurchlubbock.com. Good morning. Thank you. Thank you. It's a hard act to follow right there. Bless all of you. Glad you made it out. If you need a Bible, why don't you get your hand up? Love to get the word in your hand today. And then we will start at the 100th Psalm, Psalm 100. We're talking another bit this morning about uh, worship. And, you know, a lot of times our gratitude and expressing gratitude is like uh, wrapping a gift and not giving it. So we're going to hit this today in the area of gratitude. The, The subtitle of Psalm 100 is a psalm of thanksgiving. One translation says a psalm of of giving thanks. And so it's very important that we learn this. And again, I I believe in talking about this. You'll see biblically here in the scriptures today where it is a form of worship. So begin with me at the 100th Psalm, verse number 1. Make a joyful shout to the Lord, all your lands. Make a joyful shout. Now, when he says that there, he, he didn't say we're to make a joyful shout just when things are going good. When I've had something positive there, he said make a joyful shout. So I think about it in these terms. There was a man named Joshua. The Lord said to him when he was surrounding a city called Jericho, he said, listen, here's what I want you to do. I want you to march around that city seven times a day. And when you hear the trumpet blast, you sound with a shout. Now, it's very easy to look at God and scratch your head and say, now, why would you do that? But yet, something happens anytime we obey the Word of God. So let me ask you something. When's the last time you did a grateful or a joyful shout to God? What would happen if I just obeyed this? So he goes, make a joyful shout to the Lord, all you lands, and serve the Lord with gladness. Now, the word serve there has to do with uh, a servant. And it's acts of bidding to a superior to say, Father God, I come to serve you. And so to serve God is expressed in my actions and my behaviors. And then he ends with this and says, come before his presence with singing. Now every one of those, whether it's a shout, whether it's serving God or coming before God, those are an outward expression. It's an outward obedience. And when it comes to that, every one of us in here, it becomes a choice of my own will. Do I obey what God said? Do I go ahead and step out? He goes on to say, verse 3, know that the Lord, he is God. It's important that we understand, know that the Lord, he is God. It is he who has made us, and we not ourselves. In other words, you didn't make yourself. God made you, so in your life right now, Is your life more about you or is it more about God? But he said he wants us to know us. And then he ends with this and says, We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. And so when you think about sheep, understand this. The sheep only benefit from the shepherd when they respond to him. When they obey him. When they follow him. And so again, understand this about the Lord. I don't care where you're at today, what you've done. The Lord will never abandon you. He'll never leave you or forsake you, okay? Verse number four. Enter his gates with thanksgiving. Now the message says, enter the gates with the password, 
Thank you. Thank you. Enter his gates with thanksgiving. So let me ask you this. Do you make it a practice at all to tell the Lord thank you? Thank you for another day of life. Thank you for health in my body. Thank you for strength today. Thank you for your wisdom. And thank you I got a home. Thank you I got shoes to wear. Thank you I got a car to drive. See, it's very easy to get where we don't ever give him thanks. But when he says, enter his gates with thanksgiving, understand when I obey that right there, it's one of the ways I connect to God. You want to connect to God? Then start giving God thanks. So he says, enter his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. In other words, it's got to be expressed. Be thankful to him and bless his name. The message says, thank him and worship him. Verse 5, now watch these three truths that we can live by. For the Lord is good. You may want to highlight that, okay? Can I give you a description of the Lord? He's good. Not every once in a while, not sometimes, not part of the time. The Lord is good. It'll do you good in your heart when you get that revelation on the inside and you realize God is good. That's the first promise. Look at the second one. And his mercy is everlasting. I don't know about you, but that's a good one for me to shout on. I'm, I'm glad his mercy is everlasting. In other words, it never diminishes and it never stops. Then he goes on to say, and his truth endures to all generations. In other words, his truth has never changed and it never will change. So I can hold on to these things here. And so this morning, if you hadn't figured out, we're going to be the area of thankfulness. Now go with me into the New Testament to the book of Luke chapter 17. Luke chapter 17. You know, thankfulness carries an attitude of humility. Anytime I give God thanks, it's an attitude of humility. Thank you, Father God. And so as I say there, let me ask you this question. Do you seek God for his, manifest, his manifestations and his blessings? Or do you seek him as God? In other words, do you seek God only to get what you want and you desire? And then you say, see you later, Father God. I got what I wanted. I got what I needed. See, I believe this is important that we get this in our hearts. Man, I, I want to seek God all the time. I want to hang out with God all the time. So we begin Luke 17, verse 11. Now it happened as Jesus went to Jerusalem that he passed through the midst of Samaria and Galilee. So we read that verse and it's very easy to skip across the Bible. And Sometimes you may have thoughts, well, they just threw this in there to take up some pages. No, there's always significance with the Bible. So possibly in the back of your Bible there's a map. So in my Bible I begin to look at the map. And I, I just wanted to see what it looked like for Jesus to go from the area of Samaria, Galilee, into Jerusalem. It was a pretty good trip. Let me highlight this to you a little bit. Jesus didn't have a pickup. Jesus didn't have a motorcycle. He couldn't call Uber. There was no Amtrak. There was no Graham. So Jesus got where he went, either by walking or a donkey, or a camel. And so when you look at the structure of their time, to do what he did had to be very weighing on himself 
physically and probably even emotionally. So he's going into this area and he's got to be wore out. Verse 12. Then as he entered a certain village, there met him ten men who were lepers who stood afar off. So we read that and, and to us, we may think, so what? What's the big deal about that? Well, let me give you a couple, couple things that I believe need to be highlighted here. Number one, leprosy was an incredibly bad and painful disease. It had to do with 21 different afflictions of the skin. It would be said about this with leprosy that it would go after your nerve endings. Specifically the tips of your finger, the tips of your toes, the tip of your nose, and even your earlobes. And oftentimes what would begin to happen with a leper, that they would lose feelings in their fingers or their toes. And so it was not uncommon for them if they got around a fire that possibly their fingers would fall in the fire, they wouldn't even know it. Now, one of the the roughest or maybe the grotesque definitions of this that I found, that oftentimes a leper would wake up the following morning and the tips of his fingers or toes would be gone because it said the rats would nibble them off without them even knowing. So when you look at this and it says they were lepers, this was very painful. And then we got to look at something else in here. It says, then they met him who were lepers, but they stood afar off. So the area where they stood afar off, understand this. This wasn't just physically painful. This was emotionally painful. And the reason it would be emotionally painful was we're going to just pretend that, that Felix had leprosy. And so as Felix was a leper... That means he wasn't invited into society at all. He couldn't affiliate with society at all. So that means Felix could not go see his wife. He couldn't see his kids. He couldn't see grandkids. He couldn't go to Walmart. Not that he'd want to any of but he couldn't. He couldn't go to Chick-fil-A. And so again, now we begin to see the other side of this disease, that that it had to wound them emotionally to understand, I I can't get near my family. I can't hug my kids. I I can't kiss my, I can't do that. And, And another area that when you were a leper, if I was to approach Felix, you know how he'd have to describe himself? He would have to say, unclean, 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 to identify, don't come near me. So now we begin to see into this a little bit more. That when these lepers saw him, they they, they came to meet him. Now watch what happens here. And they lifted up their voice. And they said, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. So now I begin to look at this and they recognize who Jesus is. And I believe they must have heard stories about Jesus. He's the healer. He's the one who does miracles. He's the one who takes your pain. And it doesn't doesn't matter who you are. Doesn't matter what side of the tracks you live on. And so when they see Jesus. now, Now note in here what it says here. They lifted up their voices. 
in their pain. They weren't too embarrassed. They weren't too ashamed. So it said they lifted up their voices and said, Jesus, have mercy on us. Now, can you imagine this playing out? Jesus is coming into town and he hears these men, Jesus, have mercy upon me. And now we go to his response. So when he saw them, he noticed them. You know what? And as they stood afar off, he knew their identity was unclean. He knew what that meant. And when he saw them, he said to them, Go home, you losers. I'm tired. I'm going to the Holiday Inn to take a shower. No, pay real close attention. And when Jesus saw them, he said to them, Go show yourself to the priest. The reason or the meaning behind that is the priest was the only one that had the ability to declare you unclean or clean. But the only reason you would go to the priest is if you were clean. And so Jesus, the first thing he says when he sees them, he says, Fellas, go show yourself to the priest. Now you know what that could be? That could be a head scratcher. Uh, wait a minute, Mr. Jesus. Do, do you see these spots upon me? Are you trying to make a fool out of Do you realize for me to go to the priest in this condition, I can be killed for this? So Jesus says, go show yourself to the priest. Now watch this. And so it was as they went, they were cleansed. So now we see something else. Not only did they listen to Jesus... They respond to Jesus, and they obeyed to Jesus. And so now you begin to see something that plays in here again. Was their obedience to Jesus was an act of worship? See, it's incredible to me that these guys, they believed what Jesus said. And when I step out by faith on what Jesus said, to a degree it's saying, I believe everything you're saying. I worship and I respect you because what you said. So as they went, they were healed and they were cleansed. Verse 15. Now one of them, when he saw that he was healed, returned and with a loud voice glorified God. And he fell down on his face at his feet, giving him thanks, and he was a Samaritan. So now, because of the healing that took place in his body, he showed gratitude. And he expressed it. So was his gratitude here? Was it an expression of worship? I believe it was right here. And so now we got to really look at verse 16 or, or verse 15 and 16. What he says there, number one, it says, And when one of them saw that he was healed, he returned with a loud voice. With a loud voice. And not only was it a loud voice, he glorified God. So now he begins to express his gratitude toward God. And it's very clear here, he wasn't doing it to impress people. 
That's religion. But out of the overflow of his heart and from the very pain that he'd experienced, he begins to glorify him. He begins to give him thanks. Now watch what it says here. He falls down on his face at the feet of Jesus. And it says he began to give him thanks. You know what the Amplified says? It says he gave him thanks over and over and over. He was cleansed. Now again, when I I read into this right here, what about me? What about you? You know the truth of the matter is? If you've born again, you've confessed your sins. And if you've confessed your sins, He's not only forgiven you, He's cleansed you. And so the same way He cleansed him, He he cleansed me. And guess what? Before I gave my heart to Jesus, I may be like many of you. I caused a lot of pain to myself and other people. But again, He's cleansed every one of us. And it says specifically here, he was a Samaritan. The Samaritans were non-Jews. They were hated and despised. And so when he lists here, he was a Samaritan. You know what that says to me? God's grace is for every one of us. God's grace is for every one of us in this room. But here's the deal. When God shows his grace to every one of us, do every one of us give him praise back? Do I give him thanks back? Verse 18. Verse 17. So Jesus answered and said, Were there not ten cleansed? But where are the other nine? Jesus noticed. Jesus took inventory. He specifically said there were ten that were cleansed, but where are the other nine? And so when I express my gratitude, which is another form of worship, understand, he recognizes it. He sees it, and understand this too, that he will not force you to thank him. But when I willfully choose to obey Him and to worship Him and to give Him thanks, He takes notice. He knew the nine that didn't, but He also knew the one that did. So that the nine that didn't, were they too busy? So now I have put myself in the story. Have I been too busy to give Him thanks? Did I get what I wanted from Him? I'm after the blessing, I'm after the healing. But once I get what I got from him, it's hostile lasagna, Jesus. I don't need you anymore. See, I believe to a degree, every one of us have been this way. And he notices. Verse 18. Were there not any found who returned to give glory to God except this foreigner? Woo. What an interesting statement. So now when he says, 
Were there not any found who returned to give him glory? Now we can go back in the scriptures. How did Jesus, how, how did the man give Jesus glory? Woo, he began to lift his voice. He began to be passionate. It rolled out of his mouth. He shouted. He fell before him. He bowed before him. He kneeled before him. And he wasn't there to impress anybody but to say, Thank you, Lord Jesus. So again, we begin to see another form of worship that takes place. Now go with me in the New Testament to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. Ooh, something happens when we begin to, to express our gratitude to the Lord Jesus. Now, we're going to spend just a little bit more time in the New Testament. Because I believe the Word of God will teach us right here. It will become very clear to me and you. First, First Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 16. Rejoice always. Rejoice always. Now when I look at that, it's easy for me to rejoice when things go well. But he didn't say rejoice when things go well. He said rejoice always. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again I say rejoice. So would Jesus tell us through the scriptures to do something that wasn't meaningful or not possible? No, I believe he would. Verse number 17. Pray without ceasing. So was he telling me in my prayer time to not only be persistent, but be persevering? But also when I read this in here, when I pray without ceasing, it's as if I'm saying, Father God, my, my dependency is on you. My dependency is on coming before you, Father God, that I'm not going to pr- quit praying. Verse 18. In everything, give thanks. Now, if you catch something right there, here's a nugget that we learned today. Look at the very start of this. In. In. In everything, give thanks. He didn't say, for everything, give thanks. He said, in everything, give thanks. So there's going to be times that your life is you're walking through the valley of the shadow of death. And when I'm under that experience, man, that's the time where I call on God. I begin to hang on to God. So he tells us right here, in everything, give thanks. In every season of my life, I'm to give thanks. Good times, bad times, sad times, bad times, ugly times. And so there's, there's many of you that are aware, you know, a man in our church, Eddie Rowhouse, young, 30s. Went home to be with Jesus yesterday. Very, very grievous. And I've come to this place in my life. I don't understand everything that takes place on this earth. But I will not question God because God is good. Okay? God is good. And so, you, you see his, his two teenage kids just devastated. 
to have to go in and look at your father dead right there and say goodbye. So I walk in and I, I witness all this. And I'm sitting there thinking, in everything give thanks, Father God. So is it the thanks of the 35 years he's here? Is it thanks for those lives? Thank you, Father God, that he's saved. So now I'm on an emotional roller coaster. I'm up there, me and Shelly are praying, just trying to be a blessing because it's a tough time. And then a few minutes later, while we're there, we get another call. That one of our women in our church, uh, Destiny DeLeon, her and Dylan had a baby. And so they said, can you come to this other part of the hospital that we're having this baby? And so we're, we're leaving one area that's death and we're going into one area of life. And I get out of the car and I'm looking at Shelly and I'm like, I'm on an emotional roller coaster. That here I'm grieving with teenagers that know their daddy's dead. And now I'm walking into a room where, yes, yes. And I guess it's showing on my face because one of the men in there said, are you okay? And I said, yeah. And so again, when you read this, give thanks in everything. Is it a step of faith? Absolutely. For every one of us. But notice real clearly what he says. In every give thanks. Watch this. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. This is God's design. This is his desire for me and you. This was his will. So guess what happens? When I don't understand everything in life. When I can't figure everything out up here. If I still rejoice and I pray and I give thanks to Father God, he's saying, that's an act of worship because you surrendered your will for my will. In everything, give thanks. So again, I could go around the room right now. And many of you are on an emotional roller coaster right now too. Many of us have pain. I came in this morning, and I was in here singing, which isn't always a joyful noise to the Lord. But I'm walking through here, and I'm singing. In every season, you are still God, and I have a reason to sing. And Oscar comes walking in and he says, Pastor, I hear you expressing that over and over. And he said, maybe we ought to sing that today. So God knows he's that tangible. I I don't know what season you're in, but I choose to believe the word of God. Turn with me to Hebrews 13. I'm going to give you a verse here that I'm not going to have you go through. You may write this down. Go to Hebrews 13. In the book of Philippians chapter 4, verse 6, it says, Be anxious for nothing. 
Now, every one of us in this room, we, we face anxiety. Do something, God, you got to do. There's a promise. God said, be anxious for nothing. And listen, listen to the verse. Be anxious for nothing. Comma. But in everything with prayer and supplications, make your request made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses understanding, will guard your heart and minds through Christ Jesus. Now, you may say amen, but the truth of the matter is, I didn't read that verse correctly, okay? I left something out in there. Because what I left out in there a lot of times is human nature. It says, be anxious for nothing, comma, but in everything, with prayer and supplications, with thanksgiving, Make your requests made known to God. So now I can rewind in my own life. And there's times I've gone before God. And I've prayed and I've given supplications and petitions to God. But I didn't do it with thanksgiving. And so guess what he tells us in there. I want you to pray. I want you to petition. I want to hear your heart. But you've got to tag it at the very end with thanksgiving. I don't know what you're believing for. But when you put that prayer out there, tag it with thanksgiving. Woo, Father God, I, I thank you my child is serving you. Woo, I thank you, Lord. I thank you your word's moving. You may be believing God right now for a new job. Tag that with, Father God, I need a new job and I thank you that you're supplying it. You may need to be buying a car, selling a home. So tag it with thanksgiving. Get that thanksgiving in your heart because, again, anytime I show gratitude, I, I'm, I'm, I'm getting heaven. I'm connecting to heaven. Heaven is gravitating with me. I think the word of thanks to God is, is the key right there where we say, thank you, Father God. It attracts God. This may date me a little bit, just how young I am. Many years ago, before you would eat a meal, you remember what would be said? Who wants to give thanks? How many of you remember that? Some of you did. It's okay. You can rub your hand. You're in the AARP club. It's all right. That's not me. That's you guys, okay? I'm far from that. Anyway. I, I, I need to put a little humor in here, guys. I, I may bust out crying, too. So, You know who came up with that phrase? Who wants to give thanks? Jesus did. It's in the communion elements in 1 Corinthians 12. Before he broke the bread, he gave thanks. It's again found in Mark chapter 8, verse 6. Before he fed the 5,000. Before he broke the bread, you know what he did? I give thanks. Let me ask you something. How many of us in this room give thanks before we even eat? Or have we gotten so spoiled that we take it for granted? Or have we gotten so unappreciative that we complain about a hot dog and say, I want to stay? See, something begins to happen when I begin to have gratitude. And what I've found out in my own life, the more I have gratitude toward God, the more it flows out of me toward humanity. 
that when I go to a restaurant, I mean, gratitude will come out. If you're ever with my wife, you'll always see her give gratitude toward people. I mean, even at Walmart, when it's slower and mud, and you're in the express lane, and you realize they lied. That's not an express lane. You can still give gratitude. But again, it becomes a condition of my heart. The Lord, I, I want to be a person that's grateful. Think about this as a parent. When you bless your kids, man, isn't it wonderful when somebody says thank you to you? How do you feel when they throw that crayon book down? That's not what I wanted. I want to... I ought to slap... No, I shouldn't do it. See, again, can you imagine with Father God? Hebrews 13, verse 15. Therefore, by Jesus, watch this. Golly, this is good. Let us continually offer the sacrifice of praise to God. That is the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name. Let us continually. Man, that that ought to be our expression day by day by day. And if you look what he says there, the sacrifice of praise through the lips and, and through the thankfulness, every bit of that is an expression of my heart that reveals, or expression of my mouth that reveals my heart. You're going to lo- you're going to be located by what comes out of your heart through your mouth. I don't care who we are. And isn't it interesting? He said, "Let us continually offer." To offer, it's going to be a choice of my will. God has never once put a gun to my head and say, "You better offer me praise, buddy." And then when he uses the word sacrifice here, listen what sacrifice means. The word sacrifice, when it means praising God, means to kill, the verb of it, to kill or to slaughter with a purpose. Now listen to this. Praise often requires that we kill our pride, our fear, and our sloth. Woo, so guess what? When I see the word offer, And the word sacrifice, you know what that tells me? It's going to cost you something. It's going to cost you time. It's going to toss you your flesh. It's going to cost you something. But again, not only does it connect us to God, heaven gravitates toward us. I believe personally, when the more I read on this that I see, oh, God's wanting us. His desire is for us to express ourselves to him with gratitude. And every time I say thank you, guess what you're saying? Oh, Father God, I worship you. I worship you. What would happen when we got up in the morning and we said, Father God, I thank you for another day of life. I thank you I got a job to go to. I thank you I got shoes on. I got socks on that don't have holes in them that I'm going to thank them though. What about this? And this is what moved me so much yesterday. What if we said, I thank you, Father God, for my children. I thank you for my mom and dad. Because again, yesterday, I I saw the, 
the preciousness of life, just like that. And if we're not careful, we take each other for granted. And if we're not careful, we don't realize how much we love somebody until they're actually gone, even though we never expressed it. So again, sometimes these lessons of life, they become a wake-up call to me to say, man, I, I want to live with gratitude. Thank you for listening today. For more information, please visit faithchurchlubbock.com.